Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy, 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 happy Monday. Today is Monday, May 1st, and today is Silver Star Service Banner Day. It's also Global Love Day. It's also National Mother Goose Day, because who doesn't like some chips? It's also National Loyalty Day. That's right. We're going to... And hold on. Oh, it's, we got we got a couple more. It's also Law Day, School Principals Day, International Workers Day because everyone loves a good worker, and it's Melanoma Monday, National Chocolate Parfait Day. Gretchen, I know you're gonna love to make some dessert tonight, and of course today is also May Day, which is better known in the Bay Area and other places as May Day, J Day. And thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. Yeah, dogs. But also to make sure you participate with us in this super chat because if you want us to actually talk about your comment, that is the best way for us to get to notice it. But coming up first, we have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamit. Rico, oh my God, what is up with your background, bro? You have like got your shit together today. I am so impressed. He must have unpacked all his boxes and got rid of all of his clutter. And now he's just sitting back in the back of the Mojave Desert. That's right. It is Rico Meat. You digging the, the, the clean black round I got going on? I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I just got to put my, uh, my lighting up and I'm good to go, my G. Good to go. But um, speaking of good to go, I got some uh, good projection numbers by New Frontier that just came in. And um, they are saying that U.S. cannabis sales are to hit $71 billion, billion in 2023, uh, in 2030, even without federal reforms. So uh, things seem to be looking up in the near midterm future for the U.S. cannabis industry. That is, if you are a long-term investor looking ahead at the broad industry as a whole and not actually on the ground where things still are pretty chaotic and you know, riddled with 
bullshittery. But uh, either way, a new forward-looking report released by New Frontier Data is projecting $71 billion in legal sales by 2030 based on the current trend of state-level legalization continuing. And that's even without federal dropping any time in the near future either. Uh, the report outlines what's going on with the two in 21 U.S. states and Washington, D.C. that have already legalized and companies have struggled with operational inefficiencies and the inability to scale out of state. The Safe Banking Act uh, remains stalled in Congress, going on four years now, even though last week a new bipartisan uh, version renewed hope sending shares of MSOs and Canadian licensed producers higher. Uh, Per the article, New Frontier's $71 billion projection um, by 2030 assumes the current pace of state level legalization um and they're still expecting that number to hit 58 billion if everything slows down along with its release ceo gary allen said that as more established markets across the country stabilize the u.s cannabis industry will be buoyed by new markets coming online he sees strong momentum for adult use progress in nine new u.s markets and likely legalization for medical only in nine others by 2030, amounting to a projected 9% compound annual growth rate uh, through 2030. And for anybody uh, that's a long-term investor, 9% compounding is a pretty strong number um, if you're looking at it in, in the long term there and if you want to get into the market. Uh, the report does hit a couple of low, part, uh, low points, too, for what it's worth. For example, the average U.S. consumer price per ounce of flowers dropped 10% to 2.94. <laughs> from 325.46 back in uh, 2010. And for the first time, the oldest legal adult use state cannabis markets contracted last year. Um, However, New Frontier still predicts legal sales to hit 35 billion this year, up 5 billion from 2022, and uh, adult users in both legal and unregulated markets to reach 69 million by 2030, up from an estimated 54 million this year. Though they didn't really say how they were calculating unregulated users or the margin of error there but um it is what it is um, i think the numbers are pretty compelling for what it's worth if you are a paper investor um however i'd like to hear about uh the, the people that actually have some skin in the game. we got a couple on our uh on our, on our team with us i'm rico lamit dope is out in the street what do you think about this uh, numbers jason elliot what y'all got I mean, I, I mean, think I think this is this is just a skewed numbers just to make everybody right. feel better inside and make all the investors feel like, hey, you can still put money into cannabis and you're not going to lose all your money. Yep. What do you think, Matthew? Are you weed? people people who grow good weed still make money? You know, you might not be making the same money you were, but people who grow good weed still make good money. We were doing a little a little breakdown. Uh, Last night, we were going through packaging and stuff and, and, and seeing every kind of packaging. Like, there's the white, sterile pharmaceutical packaging. There's the black with the, the gold foil. There's the cartoony shit. There's the totally generic. And, and I had this box, and the thing I was explaining to my friends was the only thing that unites everything in this box is that the weed is good. And that's why every one of these brands sells great. There's Farmer in the Felon, which is orange with a stencil on it. Like, there's not a single through line in any of the packaging. It's just about who, who grows great weed. If you grow great weed, you can stay in the game. It's going to be difficult for a minute, but there's always going to be a place for you. If you're trying to, like I always say, if you're trying to create exponential growth and generational wealth and 10 times your investment, you got an exit plan, it's time to exit the weed game. What do you think about this study, Ellie? you have any comments on this? These guys Uh, skewing these numbers. They're skewing the numbers to make it look... As far as uh, (laughs) they put out, they're they're not dynamic. So uh, they didn't think the California rec market would go down 
down here either, and it has, and it's going down further. So, uh, uh, you know, assuming 90% growth is a lot, I wasn't paying too close attention, but, you know, I always laugh oh. when somehow they have an accurate number of black market. Well, Elliot, on, on this one, um, I was specifically asking uh, you and Jason and anybody else with actual um, plant-touching skin in the game uh, with um, New Frontier says $71 billion in sales projected by 2030 and a 9% compounded uh, growth rate from uh, now until then for anybody investing on paper. Uh, uh, do you see that on the, on the ground happening? Do you see that as, as accurate? Look, I, I can't really speak for outside of California, but everything been half my day looking at busted portfolios, all their numbers right. are substantially down year over year. Brag, we're an anomaly that we have stores that are up uh, year over year and i'm not talking new stores age stores um you know that have too much debt they're looking for people to take over their portfolio or their their needles going almost everybody's down year over year so i don't know what mm -hmm. the, this is in california uh those numbers on but from what i see uh you know year over year sales say from you know what are we april of 2023 to from uh april of 20, April of 2021, store over store, unless it's a brand new store and growth rate, uh, sales are down. Legal sales are down. Yeah, so I think I think we're I think we're calling this story uh, bad data in, bad data out. However, they're talking about like the projected growth in new states too. So I mean, it would be interesting to to, to hear somebody from a emerging wide, right? Yeah. Uh, we're talking nationally i mean there's yeah. still a lot of growth yeah. to happen so of course exactly. by 2030 i would hope that every state had some kind of regulation in place that made sense right to some I, yeah. at least medical I, okay I, i'd like to say full disclosure uh my career started new frontier data i spent five years there i know how they do their data i know their modeling their numbers are generally fairly accurate so i would take what they say and go with it well look if they're open Opening up new states, I will concede that I'm sure the numbers are going to go up a lot about California. If, you know, Texas has no weed and they get weed, yeah, of course, they're legal marketing. So I'm sure there's some growth uh, in that sense. I'll be curious to, to see if the black market versus the legal market over time, if they don't reform the policy, is the black market. Yeah, but, yeah. And with that being said, uh, Gretchen, since you have insight into it, like how do they go about uh, calculating the uh, unregulated sales? Well, they don't calculate what? unregulated sales. That's what they predicted in they, this one. Would they have a number there on the black market? They said. I, I was yeah. unable to read the story. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no problem. Calculating. Anyone that's calculating the crap market is all full. Uh, that's exact, exactly what I was what I, I would love to hear but, how they worded the, their, said, what they're saying uh, for the illicit market. Predict legal sales to hit $35 billion this year, up $5 mm -hmm. billion from last year, and adult users okay. in both legal and unregulated markets to reach $69 million by 2030. My question was, like, how are they going about calculating the or, or putting in uh, estimating how much of that's going to be accounted for by unregulated markets it's a uh, professional guesstimation yeah <laughs> i would i would say that they're probably basing a lot of this off of uh seizures and that sort of thing customs um i'm just hold your horses chief uh <laughs> however 
I'm a commander. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, and I will say, yes, while I started my career at New Frontier, that was four years ago. And when I was there, we did not do the illicit market uh, because, like you say, that is something extremely difficult to determine. So I don't know how they are coming up with it all of a sudden. I'd be I'm more than happy to ask them and get back to y'all tomorrow on how they yeah, came up with a number for the illicit market. I would love to hear that, but could I, yeah. I'll tell you what, you know, any company that's going to extrapolate numbers for the illicit market, you know, the best part about that is that they can never get proven right and they can never get proven wrong. It's wonderful PR. Exactly. So you guys, it's kind of like a uh, kind of like a uh, politics, right? Uh, I wouldn't you call know, it. Uh, I wouldn't you can, you can project what you, what you want and blame it on uh, uh, extenuating circumstances for nothing getting done. I, I, I will say this: if it's seventy billion and thirty-five billion is leaving fifty percent as black market, so that that alone is it makes me sus. Like uh, you know, you call they say, "Oh, fifty percent of men cheat on their husbands," and they took a really that that was not a. It's like, uh, by the way, I'd say no, and it would be true, but like, I'm sure that, uh, uh, you know, that, that the guy and you say, Hey, you're in black market sales. How many packs are you selling? Like, he's not going to like, that's not even a right. question that right. you could even ask. So, and there's no way to go around every single form and humble the count up the amount of cannabis coming on to the uh, marketplace. It's just not possible, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one, Elliot. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying it. And we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Let's do it. Oh yeah. You know what time it is? That's right. It's Tuesday over here at Green Street and we got Smokey Vanilla with us in the building. So that's right. It is time to stretch and smoke. We just got done smoking. Now we're gonna stretch it out and then we're gonna smoke again. Let's go. I'm Smokey Vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching. You gotta come check it out, baby. Check me out on IG at Smokey Vanilla One, Stretch and Smoke. Twitter, Smokey Vanilla. Social Club, Stretch and Smoke. We're also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a stretch and smoke in with Smokey Vanilla. Yeet! If you're loud, you let me know. I mean, if I'm too soft, now let me know. Never, you're never soft enough. You're never soft enough. Just in touch with your feminine side. Oh, you know how it is. We all know what time it is. Hyatt Nine's head honcho is hitting the road again like Willie Nelson and the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, the highest Republican in the game. West Hollywood president of cannabis tourism is smoking the best weed in the world up now. Come to the stage next. Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Mar-a-Lago's on tour too, right? Uh, well, actually, actually, um, I know this 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 looks like Mar-a-Lago, but actually, we are in the lair of Saint Germain today. Oh, yes. Oh my yes. God. Yes. 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 Saint Germain's upgraded a bit. We were we were out. We were out in, no, we have traveled to Transylvania, and we are currently <laughs> from the castle of the Maravania. <laughs> yes. Which is also where uh, um, uh, where the former first lady is from, correct? I'm, I mean, 
uh, I'm not She's sure. She's from Slovenia. That's Slovenia, yeah. Bro, you're tripping. <laughs> you're stretching like Gretchen right now. Just saying. Just but saying. nonetheless, today, my story involves someone I think a lot of you may know and who happens to be on the show joining us today. That's right. Catalyst CEO Elliot Lewis. Put the grass in grassroots for Long Beach. That's right. Catalyst Cannabis, a local business in Long Beach, focuses on giving back to the community despite heavy regulations and taxation from the city. Party on Pine was a block party hosted by Elliot Lewis, CEO of Catalyst Cannabis, which focused on uplifting the community and reviving a once lively Pine Avenue. Packed with businesses, the family-friendly event brought together various and local and licensed vendors together and all proceeds went straight to revitalizing pine avenue however increased regulation fees imposed by the city pressured lewis to shut down the event in a quote they made it super cost prohibited lewis said they wanted 11 freaking cops all on overtime to watch a party that had zero incidences Catalyst has worked to bridge the community together through various events in its outreach branch of Catalyst Cares. This outreach program has provided services and products such as backpacks, food, and even Christmas trees around the holidays. In a quote, people aren't seeing the Catalyst Cares side of it, Lewis said. Catalyst Cares really is the heartbeat of who we are. Despite the small setbacks with the cancellation of Party on Pine, Lewis continues pushing forward and garnering momentum on their weed for the people movement. <clears throat> Catalyst has long been working with the legal guidelines provided by both the Senate and the Department of Cannabis Control to help distribute free cannabis to patients in need. The Medical and Adult Use Cannabis Regulator Regulator Regulation and Safety Act as the framework of regulation for the Department of Cannabis Control, Catalyst Cares acts as a conduit to help provide medical cannabis at, at least once a month for medical patients in need, as written in the law. Legislative Senate Bill number 34 states existing administrative law provides an exception to this, to this pro prohibition for specified medical retailers and micro-business licenses to provide access to medical cannabis patients who have difficulty accessing medical cannabis goods as specified. Many of the shops Catalyst now manages across California were previously independent dispensaries that were drawn toward Catalyst's mission. Lewis and the whole of Catalyst's extensive staff have taken on the role of, of advocates for other localized cannabis businesses across California. Catalyst's most recent victory was April 18th at the Long Beach City Council meeting where city council members voted unanimously to provide qualifying Long Beach cannabis dispensaries with a new tax relief program. Catalyst continues to struggle with, with excessive taxation on local businesses, even within a progressive city like Long Beach. Big cities like Long Beach have been continuously increasing taxes, which directly affects cannabis workers and sellers in the city driving more and more customers to buy illicitly. In a quote, the little cities are a little more sympathetic too if they want to make 5% in tax and they need the money to plug the shortfalls, then that's fine, Lewis said. As I looked into the budgets here and I started speaking out, that's, that's when we got heat. This is unique to Long Beach. Taxes are often primarily reason legal cannabis prices have skyrocketed, especially in the city of Long Beach, which, which passed Measure MA in 2016. 
the same year cannabis was legalized in California. Measure MA is one of various local cannabis taxes unique to Long Beach that dispensaries must pay in order to be considered in the legal market. In a quote, their version of equity is something that gets them votes, Lewis said. It's not equitable to make money from people that make make 70,000 to 80,000 a year, basically confiscate their property and give it to the public sector unions to keep you in power that live in freaking South Orange County. Measure MA sets a 6 to 8% tax on medical marijuana gross receipts, 8 to 12% tax on adult use cannabis and 6 to 8% on distribution, processing, transportation, or testing of marijuana and 12 to 15 taxation per square foot of cultivation. All of these added surcharges directly affect local bud tenders and cannabis specialists from achieving the goal of living wages. These actions threaten the livelihood of many that work under the legitimate business of Catalyst Cannabis and those that believe in Lewis's outspoken movement of weed for the people. Catalyst is a miracle child of the cannabis industry that managed to stay afloat by raising money through organically built locations across California. The the unwanted success of Lewis's business has placed him in a unique position to represent local cannabis shop owners throughout California. And we are fortunate enough to have Mr. Elliot Lewis with us today to comment on this. And I, all I have to say is this is Jason Beck reporting for high at nine news. And we're about to bring you some weed for the people. Weed for the people. Yes. What do you have to say about this, Elliot? Long Beach. Oh, you're on mute. You're on mute. Yep. There we go. Yep. Is that better there? There we go, buddy. Yes, sir. The club. I'm going to turn off the club. Turn off. I'm on the both. Club. Somebody said I was getting skipped. No, turn off the house. Turn off. If I ever could figure that, that would be my lucky day. Can you hear me good on this? This is easier. Perfect. Perfect. Leave this one. All right. Well, look. Well, look I just want to say this. You know, the, the, and, and Sean's talked about the regulate model is really just a symptom and why this story is kind of important. Obviously, it's nice to get a little, little cover. My, I'm always glad to be on high at nine. My pit bull agent, uh, Ken Anna, there got me on from other. Uh, I thank her for that. But, you know, and two things I'd say. One, the long paper down here would never cover this story because they're never cur- critical of the current administration. So this is, you know, a little newspaper. Long Beach State, uh, a couple of young kids that came out and did this important story to cover. To me, the issue with cannabis is, is that they, they can tax us because we're not big, big enough to organize and lobby and change uh, policy. If, if we were oil, if we were pharma, you name it, tobacco, right? We'd have our own lobby. So because we are who we are and we're small and we don't have big lobbies, in Sacramento or us, and when we're trying to do something good, which was the whole origin of the party on Pine, it's still only about the money, and it just got to the point like, like we never had any incidents on overtime, and look, we've done the research on the overtime in the city of Long Beach. They make like 50 overtime. None of them hardly even live in Long Beach, and the entire cannabis tax is $13 million. You know, the amount of damage is doing so just, just really bad policy it's, it's really a symptom of what the government's it's you know and this is not a political statement it's a policy statement 
confiscating property from people and giving it to those that can't. That's our government in a nutshell on both sides. Yeah, I mean, Long Beach is all about overtaxation and overregulation, as I've witnessed a number of times um, uh, being at the party on Pine. The excessive amount of law enforcement that they have doing undercover investigations for absolutely no reason with no no true just cause other than for pure harassment pers- uh, uh, purposes that the overall taxpayer is having to foot the bill for at excessive rates. And what was the over overtime hour rate in Long Beach? For law enforcement, Elliot, uh, it's it's ninety five. We knew we we're gonna be there. So as Jay back knows, he was uh, photoed hanging out beside uh, officer uh, through multiple requests of uh, information and thing that which they try to deny. We know there's no less than fifteen cops that invested bar on Anna's that trumped up a bunch of charges, and this is the whole free speeches if you speak speak up against the policy and you talk about our overtime you know we're going to make your life top of knowing that they wanted to charge for 11 cops i think it's 95 98 dollars now it's a ridiculous amount of money uh they also uh you know we have proof that they targeted before we even opened had undercover cops there on the day first day we opened was not only are they overtaxing and overregulating? If you question the system for which a custom to just you know using to stay in power through special interests, then you become an apparatus uh, which it's not supposed to be used for or to target anybody who who you know we've dealt with both. both. Um, and again, this is all, all stuff the Long Beach Post knows. I make fun of them, talk shit to them too. I hope they're listening, Long Beach Post. You're all soft as fuck. Some kids from Long Beach State fucking news article. But it's just bad policy. Um, again, cannabis is never going to tax and overregulated. New York didn't learn shit from California. I think it's hilarious. Stupidest idea we ever had. It's a continuation of the war on drugs. And frankly, the people are a thousand times smarter than the people enforcing from the government. Because we figured out how to line up the planet and put them into positions of power. They don't know a motherfucking thing about no policy. Cussing. Oh, no cussing, no cussing, no cussing. How am I going to talk? talk? No right. cussing. I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, quick, quick. Right, quick, Elliot? Quick, yeah. <laughs> one quick question, because, because I do feel like this is a, a very big, gross overreach of government power um, put, putting pressure on people that, that speak out about big government. Um, do you feel as though you and President Trump have something in common because of this overreach oh, of, the, of the government? Well, well times. I, will say, I, I will say, <laughs> just, say just, this. Just, I will say this. Trump, Trumper, but I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. Funny enough, there's a, a couple jokes going around called that I thought was kind of funny in Long Beach. Uh, it seems to be a thing that Long Beach officials problem locally because in other cities, and I got to watch it a little bit, I apply and try to win licenses we get into our resume and why we should win and the last thing they want is a guy in there talking shit about the those guys are part of the decision making you know look i'm I'm a long beach resident born and raised there uh you know kind of speak out is not just a cannabis operator but a a resident and get a little deep there's no doubt uh that that there is similarities they're trumping up charges to try to side 
violence, uh, you know, the movement or, or what we're saying or our mm-hmm. speech or like, hey, like shit in my life, like a lot, a lot. They are. They the are. They are up charges. They are trumping the, up the charges. Oh, my God. The yeah. thing that really is the third rail that you cannot say anything about not at all. As soon as I brought up overtime, right, of police yeah. and fire, which is their gravy, you're more in overtime than they make in base pay, three, four hundred thousand, taking money from our guy in a city that claims to be super progressive. It's a joke. It's a big hypocrisy, but... I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with you, Elliot. But we have to move over to the next story. We 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 we're, we're on. Yeah, we're a very we're a very short show, and we try to get in a lot of information. But thank you so much for joining us and being here with us. Today. Appreciate y'all for having us. <laughs> oh yeah, coming up next. That's right. It's our feisty little redheaded conservative from Washington D.C., the founder of Panoptic Strategies, who loves to dress up her dogs in crazy outfits and parade them up and down Capitol Hill. That's right. It is Gretchen Gailey. You're muted. There. Can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. All right. All right. Since, um, since I'm such a lover of facts, I do want to clarify for those who where we were discussing Enrico's article, New Frontier did not predict any numbers in the illicit market. They were looking at users, not money. Go 69 back million. How, how would you predict? They're the, talking about people. How would you predict the amount of users in the illicit yeah, market? Because predict- they definitely survey people. But that uh, that's a whole other story. I've been a part okay. of the surveys right. before. Yes. I guess 16. Uh, I guess 69 or 420, anything. 420 Whatever. million. My point 69 is, million. Nobody, nobody was predicting an illicit market number. That's why I was surprised when, Rico, you suggested that they had. Anyway, my story, hey, I picked today. Directly from the story, 69 what? million. Go back and illicit read and, the numbers. Read the sentence. Read unregulated the sentence. and regulated users. Bless you your heart. You read you the sentence. Off, Rico. Anyway, back to me. Back to me. my headline i picked this just for you jason back i saw a conspiracy big government all sorts of ethics violations and i thought of you and of course came out of oregon of course ethics questions raised over oregon's secretary of state's side job as cannabis industry consultant oregon's secretary of state is defending her decision to moonlight as a consultant for the owners of a troubled marijuana dispensary chain at the same time, state Republican leaders accused Shamia Fagan of ethics violations and called on her to resign. An elected official cannot take funds for personal use from someone they regulate. Senate Republican leader Tim Knopp and House Rele- Republican leader Vicki Breeze Iverson said in a joint statement. Governor Tina Kotek also spoke out on the issue uh, Friday evening, calling for the Oregon Government Ethics Commission to investigate Fagan's actions and for the Oregon Department of Justice to look into a recent audit of cannabis industry regulations. It's critical that Oregonians trust their government, Kotex said in a statement. That is why I'm urging the Oregon Government Ethics Commission to immediately investigate this situation. Additionally, I am requesting that the Oregon Department of Justice examine the Secretary of State's recently released audit of the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission and its cannabis program. As Willamette Week first reported, Fagan started working for the owners of La Mata in February. 
The company and associated businesses have racked up millions of dollars in unpaid taxes and face numerous lawsuits for not paying their bills, according to court records. Simultaneously, Rosa uh, Cazares and Aaron Mitchell, owners of Lamoda, Lamada, uh, made big donations to top Democrats, including Fagan. It's not clear what type of work Fagan is doing or how much she's being paid for her side gig. A spokesperson for the Secretary of State explained Fagan is consulting on projects outside of Oregon. The situation is complicated by the fact Fagan oversees state audits, which include the audit of Oregon's regulations on the cannabis industry, the very industry in which she's been hired to act as a consultant. Friday, during a press conference about the audit's findings, Audit Director Kip Memet explained Fagan recused herself from involvement after taking the consulting gig. The secretary was not involved in the reporting process, reviewing the report, providing feedback on the report, or any of the conclusions at all. Several news organizations have reported Fagan was involved in the audit dating back to early last year, and the audit was largely done by the time Fagan pulled out. As Oregon's Secretary of State, Fagan earns $77,000 each year. While unusual, it is not unheard of for statewide elected officials to take on-side jobs. Fagan also teaches part-time at Willamette University. Prior to taking the consulting gig in February, emails provided by the Secretary of State's office indicate Fagan reached out to state ethics investigator asking for clarity on conflicts of interest. Oregon law bars public officials from using their positions for personal gain. Fagan did not seek a formal opinion from the State Ethics Commission. A spokesperson for the Secretary of State argued that because she voluntarily recused herself from the audit, Fagan faces no conflict of interest. Secretary Fagan prioritizes her public service and completes any work for her private contracts during her free time, according to uh, her spokesperson. I think this is just insanity. Um, And I deal with a lot of crap on Capitol Hill. Uh, This is ridiculous and i don't see at all how this woman is getting by uh trying to pretend that she did nothing wrong here uh this is why people hate the government uh this gives cannabis a bad name this is bullshit they need to get rid of her can i say bullshit this scratching for a hyatt nine news (laughs) this is horse hockey yeah this is just stupid i mean the hill we have tons of rules in theory a staffer is supposed to disclose who they go on dates with and you're not supposed to let someone buy you a drink now, we all know that doesn't happen. But, I mean, there's tons of rules on what you can or can't do. And I don't see how Oregon doesn't have any of them. This is nuts. Well, well, would, you, would you call her the, uh, the cannabis industry's uh, Clarence Thomas? Uh, thank you, Rico. I'm I was going to say the watch. corruption just comes from the top down. <laughs> yeah. The fish let's, rots let's from start the right there. You know? This is nuts. Let's talk about the real. Let's talk about Joe Biden, too. Let's talk about all of them. Yep. Let's, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, my shirt is There's my shirt is not red or blue. It's it's maroon with a rainbow on it, right? Like let's let's get away from these teams and let's really talk about it. Corruption from the very top down. Clarence Thomas is the most glaring yep. example right now, as Rico mentioned. Like, mm-hmm. dude is just straight crooked. His wife is crooked. It's 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 so transparent. And the Republican leadership would earn points with me if they just acknowledged it. We're just real. Like, hey, let's take this guy out. And and it goes back to the same thing that I'm always pushing for. You know, I'm like Don Quixote fighting against uh, windmills, but integrity in leadership. Over to y'all. Gretchen, it didn't say where her contract was out of. Is that correct? What do you mean where it's out of? Like, is she, she's working in Oregon, but is, mm-hmm. is her contract in another state? No, Lamata, La, La, La it's M-O-T-A or Lamota. I don't know what it is, is an Oregon business. 
But they're claiming that she was consulting on strategy for other states, not Oregon. I mean, I, this is this is just crazy to me that she could even think that this is even possibly within the realm of ethical for her position as a regular. <laughs> I, mean, I wonder what she's saying now. Like, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> this is just. I mean, I I wonder if she is related to Hunter Biden. Oh dear lord! Oh, oh goodness yeah. sakes! Well, I'm just—I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, they—they they, they all think that they can just just have all these different types of uh, positions and do all these types of different, you know, consulting for all these different places. I don't know what happened to your audio there, Jason, but check into that. I cut him uh, out. Yeah. I turned his audio off. I'm tired of it. I just wanted to say it was, it's cool having Jason stay here because I I saw the daily email he gets from Fox News for all of his talking points. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either, does he write them in uh in all caps and sharpie no, in front? I mean, of even even if even if there is no specific law here on taking these side gigs or whatever, this group also made major donations to her campaign. It's like, are you kidding me? Mm, yeah, that's not okay. That's another, ridiculous. Another ridiculous problem. But at this you gotta get better at hiding the dead bodies. That's all I gotta say. Oregon, Oregon lets you do whatever you want. You can have whatever drugs and just be a total drug addict out in the streets and whatnot. So why wouldn't they let all their elected officials just be uh, consultants in, in whatever manner they want to make money? It sounds like you're describing uh, downtown Los Angeles, Jason. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. We're going to be right back. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Make sure you get over to our website, hiat9news.com. Make sure you check out this amazing merch that we got popping up on over there. Also, too, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and you will get a confirmation newsletter in your inbox. Make sure, but it may also possibly go to your spam or junk mail. So make sure you click that because you will not be officially subscribed until you click that link to officially subscribe. Run it, Adam. Come on. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. 
Up next, he is a immortal cannabis wizard with a PhD in tripping balls, and he used that valuable Hogwarts liberal arts degree for a vetted entrance into the cannabis industry, where he spent over the last three centuries in sales, marketing, cultivation, time travel, and transporting the best weed in the world up to Santa Rosa from West Hollywood. Y'all know who it is. Up next, the illustrious Matthew St. Germain. Thank you, Brother Rico. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, forgive my my uh, my fading appearance. It looks like I'm I'm transporting into another dimension where I grab this story from. This story is both exciting and has a little bit of something to be wary of that I'm going to talk about. So in a phase two trial, individuals with major depressive disorder experienced significant, rapid, durable and beneficial effects when treated with LSD. The treatment resulted in a significant reduction of depression symptoms compared to those in the control group. Exciting breakthroughs are happening in the mental health industry as MindMed, a biopharmaceutical startup, has released initial results from a phase two trial that evaluated the effectiveness of LSD in treating major depressive disorder, which is going to be called MDD in this article. In collaboration with Switzerland's University Hospital Basel and the University Hospital of Psychiatry, and the results are very encouraging. According to the study findings, LSD has the potential to alleviate depression symptoms in individuals with MDD with significant, rapid, durable, and beneficial effects surpassing those observed in the control group. So I'm just really excited about this. The reduction in depression symptoms was roughly four times greater in the LSD group compared to the placebo group. Super quick side note, LSD along with exercise is probably the 100% cure for depression. The statistically and clinically significant improvements observed in this study reinforced preliminary findings that have shown the clinical potential of lysergide in in anxiety, depression, and other brain health disorders, said Robert Barrow, the CEO of MindMed. Maybe LSD could help me with my stammering. Let's take a look at the the clinical trial in question. The phase two study led by uh, Felix Muller and Dr. Liechti involved 61 patients with MDD who were given two doses of LSD four weeks apart. The high-dose group received 100 micrograms and 200 micrograms a second time, while the low-dose group received 25, which is kind of like a microdose, and it's about the minimum amount needed for uh, them to detect the, the lysergic acid in your blood. Six weeks after the first administration, the clinician rated inventory of depressive symptomatology scores, and these were used to measure the primary outcome. Depressive symptoms were assessed through a scoring system where responses to the items were added up, resulting in a score between 0 and 84. A higher score indicates a greater presence and intensity of depressive symptoms. In depression, we think of six weeks as one of the most important time intervals because that is where most of the antidepressants have been assessed for primary outcome measures, and so that's a regulatory mark where they want to focus. Based on over 20 studies with hundreds of patients, the findings show that LSD consistently produces positive results and has the potential to alleviate symptoms of major depressive disorder. I think that's really important. According to Swiss collaborators, 16 weeks after the initial dosing, a significant and rapid improvement was seen in the high-dose group with statistically significant reduction of 12.9 points compared to only a 3.6% reduction in the low-dose group. In simpler terms, individuals who, individuals who were administered, administered LSD had an average symptom reduction that was almost four times greater, almost four times greater than those who were given a placebo or a light dose. Uh, Historical studies of LSD and MDD demonstrated rapid, robust, and sustained improvement in depressive symptoms. We also observed improvement in depressive symptoms in patients with anxiety disorders in another one of our recently published trials. We believe it was necessary to confirm the historical studies with one using modern methods. Hence, we designed this randomized controlled trial to assess the benefits of lysergic acid treatment in MDD. Importantly, 
An active small dose was used as the control. We are extremely encouraged by the results we presented today, which demonstrated the strong, rapid, and enduring improvements of this compounds in patients suffering from MDD. Uh, now, I'm just going to, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of the article. I really suggest you all read the article. I want to come down here to uh, where MindMed, which is, a, which is a publicly traded company, I own some stock in MindMed, uh, they're announcing that they're using a, a, a lysergic um, acid analog called MM120. Now, why this is important is all of these companies are going to be trying to tweak the delivery method and or the molecule slightly so that they can patent these psychedelics and corner them, make money and, and shunt them into the regulatory system. And now something I didn't really realize, I'm, I'm going into editorial mode right off the bat here, something I didn't realize in, in my own history of psychedelic usage is I had a real lucky life. It took me a long time to figure that out. I was, you know, a crybaby. And it's so it's count of St. Germain. Psychedelics for me were immediately uplifting and, and I, I wanted to do them in freedom and in nature. What I've realized in, in my travels is a lot of people have quite a bit of trauma and the, the therapy model is really good for them because doing high doses of psychedelics with a lot of trauma and no mentorship can really end up in bad places for you. And, and so I, I really support, while well, I support the, the MAPS model and the therapy model for those who have uh, large-scale traumas and as a road to legalization, I also want to caution people, don't ever get horned into thinking you have to pay $12,000 to get some psilocin or psilocybin from a treatment center. Go find some mushrooms. They grow wild. Cubensis mushrooms go wild everywhere in America. Uh, go with somebody who can hunt them. Find you a good connect for LSD. Don't be afraid to try these substances on your own. Winding back to the article, you guys, what we're seeing with both psilocin, psilocin, LSD, ketamine, and the majority of psychedelic substances is they are non-toxic, incredibly therapeutic and beneficial to the to the human race. And it appears as though they can shortcut the chronic need to take SSRIs for a lifetime through direct ecstatic experience with the divine or something akin to it. And uh, I've talked long enough, so I'd like to take this uh, to the, my esteemed panel. What do you guys think? I mean... I mean, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, please. No, I mean, I'm a former mental health practitioner, so this gets me very excited. Um, there's so many people in this world that are suffering from symptoms of depression and anxiety, and especially post-COVID, there's been a massive increase in suicides. And any way that we can provide relief that is more effective than what we've been offering people for the last, you know, several decades is huge. Um, one of the things that gets me the most excited about this is the, the speed at which it happens. Um, when someone goes in to see a clinician regarding their depression, oftentimes you're dealing with a hodgepodge of figuring out which medication is the right medication, which is the right dosage. Then you're also needing to spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on therapy and doing all these things in conjunction. It's, and there's still not even a guarantee and not that LSD is the guaranteed fix all, but I think that shortens the need for therapy time and can actually should be probably a primary method for treating uh, in my opinion. Yeah. So one of the things that happens in our brain, not just with depression, but with learning and with all mood states and really our personality states is particular neuronal highways, particular pathways between brain processors get ingrained and grooved in kind of like a, a record groove. And one of the things that LSD has been shown to do is to depattern the brain. So if you've gotten some depressive grooves in and you've really honed in on that, LSD can kind of free you and give you a, a, a wider um, perspective 
on your life and, and your own brain physiology from a, from your own consciousness. And so maybe you can get out of that groove. Mm-hmm. And again, I wanted to mention um, exercise has been shown to be up to 400% more effective than therapy alone. Exercise alone, 400% more effective than therapy alone. And I think it really comes down to number one, exercise and just like blowing the pipes out and getting your mental together through really giving yourself some struggle every day. And then LSD, I think one of the biggest things LSD does and these psychedelics do is they really let you know inside of yourself that you are connected to something that is greater than yourself. And, and just that can really help people to feel like there's a greater purpose for life. And they also yes. they show you where you're bullshitting yourself and where you're bullshitting other people. And hopefully they give you a little bit of impetus to, to fix your relationships and yourself. You know, I always say that LSD kind of is a, it's a clarity creator and it allows you like you said to feel more connected to things i think oftentimes people who are feeling anxiety and depression don't feel connected right they feel isolated they feel separate they feel like no one understands no one gets what they're going through and if we can administer something like lsd in just a few short hours or minutes even they can begin to see that they are a a piece of a bigger picture and that little tiny element alone is so incredibly powerful in just the tip of the iceberg of treating depression. And this is such a fast way to get there instead of having to play, you know, let's, let's see which medication works and maybe it will, maybe it won't. State has LSD been uh, decriminalized? No, sir. No, no. Don't get caught with LSD. No. No. Yeah. We don't have any, we never have any. I just read about it. Stacey Knox in the clubhouse chat. She says six month treatment for MDD could cost about $400,000, about three to $4,000 per day for intensive care. And LSD could be a more economical option and exercise. She says. Yep, absolutely. It's much more cost effective, significantly more. I mean, this is just piggybacking on more of what's happening in our medical system when, you know, we get charged astronomical amounts for things that may or may not work and this and, and take an extraordinarily long amount of time to find out whether they are effective. They're harsh to our bodies. Um, there's always some kind of long term consequence for playing, you know, Russian roulette with pharma always. So they'd probably be looking to synthesize this shit, too. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, it's going to be Mandy Tingler. She's the mom that loves to show America how being a cannabis executive can lead to an amazing lifestyle with motherhood, being a CEO, and being out in the limelight, as well as being an Emerald Cup Edibles judge. How she does it all, I have no clue, but that's right. It is the Mandy Tingler. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to wrap up today's show with a story that kind of piggybacks actually a little bit off of St. Germain's article. 
The headline comes to us from KSW Channel 8 News in Vancouver, Washington, and reads, Researchers look at cannabis connection to suicide attempts. The connection between cannabis and suicide attempts is growing, according to WSU researchers. And although there is more to learn, <laughs> it has experts concerned. The connection between cannabis and suicide attempts is growing, according to these researchers at Washington State. And although there's more to learn, Oh, excuse me. There, there is acceptance and use of cannabis in our culture, and it is certainly increasing in both Oregon and Washington and other states. Recreational marijuana is sold in a variety of forms. Data shows that at the same time, accident, or excuse me, accidental cannabis poisonings have increased. Now, a new research study by Washington State University of Nursing looks at intentional cannabis poisoning connected to suicide attempts. And that means that for whatever reason, someone intended to commit suicide with cannabis on board. So they're implying they're trying to overuse cannabis to pose themselves, said WSU professor Tracy Klein. One of the several researchers involved in the study, Klein is, is quick to note that the vast majority of the suicide attempts, more than 92%, involved other substances in addition to cannabis. And the data cannot show a direct causal link between cannabis and suicide attempts. That said, based on analysis of data from US poison centers, researchers found suspected suicidal cannabis exposures have increased 17% annually over a period of 12 years. And Klein said that this is troubling, especially looking at the results for certain age group in the certain age groups in the last few years. We're seeing a great impact over COVID-19 to women and children in our data. We saw an increase overall during the study period in cannabis poisonings that increased year by year. And remember, these are intentional poisonings, said Klein. The researcher said another issue raised by their research is the cannabis self-medication factor for those with mental health conditions that may already make them more prone to cons considering ending their lives. So we're very concerned about patients with depression or anxiety who are also using cannabis, perhaps with little direction, and are either not, uh, and are either not, sorry, may already be making them more prone to considering ending their lives. We are very concerned, sorry, I'm starting this line over. We're very concerned with patients in depression or anxiety who are using cannabis, perhaps with little direction, and are either not talking to their healthcare professionals about it, or their healthcare professionals are simply not asking them. Although the findings of the study don't draw this absolute conclusion, it does show that there is more consideration and safeguard in a world increasingly open to cannabis. You guys, you know my feelings and thoughts on mental health and access to plant medicine. Very interested in continuing this dialogue. Just a little bit. I mean, this is a this is a great story. I mean, we're it's making interesting. progress. Oh. <laughs> it, it, I feel like you know, people who use cannabis oftentimes are self medicating in some form, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's all medical use in some form, and all so use medical use, yes. When we're when we're talking about intentional poisoning yourself with cannabis. It's kind of like, you know, first of all, I hate that word, but um, I feel like there are people who may be looking to cannabis to, to numb, right? To, to maybe get them out of their funk. And so, of course, it's going to be in their system. And maybe they're trying to up, up the ante on it to see where it's going to take them. I don't know. I, 
Well, I mean, I mean your point on intentionally poisoning yourself, I mean, that could be the same thing as consuming alcohol at the same time, too, from their perspective, correct? Yeah, Have you poisoned your, yourself with something that happened to you? Really, you're, you're yeah, we're having all kinds of sound issues today, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we, we got some little tech issues. I think that's the, the, the count is uh, got someone working in the back doing something. He's tri he's tripping into a new universe. Exactly. <laughs> is open. So high right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, um, you know, correlation is not causation, and um, the more they look into it, I, I guess we'll get more answers to it. And but I, I I do agree. There's 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 way too many outside influences other than you know like this person was smoking weed and they they ended up killing themselves. So I mean, I'm all for more research into this stuff, and I think you you'll we will see a lot more correlation with other things in these people's lives, not just the cannabis that they ended up smoking. Well, the like story the, the story does say that 92 percent of these were other substance involved. It was yeah. not cannabis alone. It wasn't cannabis exclusive? Yeah. I I think it's important to look at, and I know I hear you, Saint Germain, on what you're saying. However. We have to look at all aspects of this industry yes. and we have to come at things with the science and the research and we have to yes. be willing to look at the good, the bad, the ugly um, to show that we're responsible and that we do care and hear concerns and are willing to look into things. So while we may not agree exactly with some of the findings, I, I think it's important that the research gets done. Totally. Agreed. And and cannabis yeah. has been shown to have a link with with triggering schizophrenic issues and other uh, yes. you know, anxiety and, and, and mental disorders. Bipolar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think it's funny to say that you're poisoning yourself with something that maybe you could consume enough to kill yourself, but no one's ever been able to in the history of humanity. Yeah. Also, what is their definition of poisoning? Like, is it, you know, consuming a gram, two grams? Like what what is the poisoning level? Well, like and I think that's, that? Mandy, like the same thing, like when they talk about binge drinking and it's like, all right, more than like yep. three or four drinks. And you're like, oh, well, shit, you know? So I think yeah. the scientific definitions are often not what we would consider. Yeah. Right. And, and, we, and, and early on in our industry, we also have to think that a lot of these articles are going to be a lot more sensational when it comes to the headlines to it. Like, like would it really amount to a ton of clicks Somebody put out an article right now saying that 80% of suicide attempts were done with a person with a bottle of alcohol in their hand. You know, like it's not really going to have the same panache uh, as a story with cannabis would be tied to it. I mean, people are looking for that kind of stuff right now. Yeah. I, I think the other thing we see if we look at the stories we've shared today, the stories we tend to share is there's a major wave of disaffection and depression and all types of, of, of personality and me mental disorders that are ra running rampant in the U.S. and in the world because for the most part, our cultures are out of touch. People are feeling alienated. Most people can't afford the cost of living. Homelessness is at an all-time high. And even when we look at homelessness and mental illness and drug addiction and the way these are all braided together, 90-plus percent of this comes down to early childhood trauma, sexual or otherwise, at the hands of other family members or society in general. The majority of the people um, that are homeless in America are products of the foster care system, and they were taken from their parents or abandoned. And um, then at 18, they're just thrown into the world with no life skills. 
no money, no way forward, no connections and nobody. And so many of them have been so used to feeling worthless and, and having nothing to do that they then go into sex work and again, drug addiction and, and these horrible spirals. And what we really need, I think, is all of us again as a nation, as a society, as a world to just look that we're not serving ourselves. We're not serving our human family. And all of these stories point to the fact that what we really need to be doing is helping each other. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. It's a, it's a good positive uh, line to end today's uh, show. On. I want to just read one last headline real quick. And I'm just going to read the headline because it has to do with some stuff that you were talking about. Okay. All right. Pop it up. All right. And so you will be able to find this on our website. This whole story will be published on our website. So make sure you go and check it out. It's pretty long. But in regards to what Rico's talking about with all this data, here's a data story for you. Because Missouri marijuana dispensaries experience a dramatic increase in out-of-state customers. And they are just eating everybody's lunch all around them in the great state of Missouri. Oh, man. Make yeah. sure you check it out. Go to our website, www.highat9news.com. You can make it a number or you can spell it out. It'll all get you to the same place. Yes, it will. Every single time. But thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of Hyatt 9 News. You can catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans out there showing love, support, and all that affection that keeps us rolling over here. To our live audience members, online supporters across all of the platforms tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much-needed variety of perspective and respected opinions to the conversation. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and the wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down over in Clubhouse, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And nothing but love going out to the haters out there. Just keep on hating, man. It's a new month, new energy. Bring us new hate, and we're going to have more and more wins every single day. Uh, as always, thank you, Cannabis City of L. The reason why we show up every single day, we love you too. And it is Monday, May 1st, 2023. The show is over. You've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street, signing off today. Matthew St. Germain, final words for us, my man, coming from the uh, astral plane. I'm just going to say, man, we're all related. We're one human family. I love you guys. If you change your breath, you change your life. Your breath is the programming code to the human biocomputer. That's about all I got. Love you guys. Upgrade that shit. Breathe harder.